Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. On this podcast, we talk to ambitious women about how they've come this far and where they're going next. Cynthia Revo is an English actor, singer, and songwriter. She is not just a two-time Oscar nominee, but a Grammy, Daytime Emmy, and Tony Award-winning performer. She's known for playing legendary women like Harriet Tubman in the first feature film about the heroine's life and Aretha Franklin for National Geographic's Genius Series. And on top of that, she's recently released her debut solo album, Chapter One, Verse One. We spoke about Cynthia's track record of playing iconic Black women, what it's like to be so close to an EGOT, the inspiration behind her new children's book, and more. I'm so excited for you all to listen. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. All right. So let's start with the color purple because I love talking to you about this. And I wanted to talk to you more about this at our dinner. Um, Uh I was there and just in such awe of you and was like, who is this person? Why (laughs) can she blow like we're in church? This is crazy. Um, And you won a Tony, which obviously I would have been, everyone would have been so upset if you didn't. How did that change your life? You know, being cast as Sealy, just being in the color purple, which is such a big deal um, to us as a community. It's it's such a, such a a point in time for us. And I think a cultural statement of so many things that have happened in the black community. Yeah. That show was sort of like my reason for being at that time. I, I first did it in the UK. And when I did it in the UK, I, just fought for it I just was like this is the show that I want to do I don't know why I knew that it was the show that was supposed to be doing it just was like uh, it it was like pulling at me I just there was I really wanted this to be part of the story that I was that I was telling for myself and so I just fought and fought and fought for it they wouldn't see me for a little bit and then they decided they changed their mind and, and let me come in and audition um, I had no idea that it was going to become what it became. I had no idea that we were going to end up doing this as a musical on Broadway. I had just no idea about all of the things that came from it. And so when we got to Broadway, I was already sort of like blown away by how big this had become. And that was sort of like enough for me because I like at no point did I think, well, I'm going to be on Broadway and I'm going to, this is going to happen. I'm going to do this show. I really love it's going to happen I, I like it was like one step further than I had imagined for myself mm-hmm. which is wonderful and so when I get there and it felt like everybody's arms were wide open and people were ready to just be there go on this journey with this young woman who is going through some of the most awful things and actually experiencing joy as well experiencing love properly for the first time experiencing intimacy for the first time in the way that she's supposed to experience it it was just sort of it was a real honor to be able to be part of that storytelling and then I don't know if it was just the Tony I think the whole thing the the performance the show the Tony the whole thing just changed my life um I I don't know there was sort of like sort of laser focused eyeballs on this particular show and and on me in it that meant that I had the opportunity to to sort of 
branch out and and do film and do TV and do all of those things and meet people that I had never met before and meet some of my heroes and create family here. And it just was one of the most amazing moments in my life. I really do think that was like a turning point for me um, in my career, like a massive turning point that shifted me um, forward uh, exponentially just and and I didn't I didn't expect it and when it came I realized that I should probably buckle up and, and go with the flow and get ready for the ride yeah those are the best ones though when you don't expect it and and, and life just has a, a better plan for you than you thought like the, the, yeah those are the best times because then you're yeah. like this is I didn't even dream of this because I didn't even think it was possible or I didn't even know that this was something that I really needed and that was going to change my life in such a big way. Right, right. Because it didn't start there. You know, for me, it really started with like, I really want to do the show. I, and I, the show means a lot to me and I would love to just be a part of it. I, I really want to do it. And, and I just didn't know what this show, this story had in store for me <laughs> at all. I just had no idea how big the scope of what the story was and how big the scope of this show was on my life. Um, and I'm glad I, I'm glad I fought for it. No. I'm glad I kept going for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to also talk about Harry Tubman. I feel like this is going to be talking about a lot of you playing extraordinary black women and just taking everything to the next level because Harriet movie obviously was, you know, the first time that her story had ever been adapted into a feature film, which yeah. I didn't even realize until I saw it. I was like, how has no one ever done this before? This is crazy. Right. Um, so what was it like being tasked with being the first person to tell her story on such a big screen? Um, daunting. Um, and I readied myself in as many ways as possible, whether it be training or reading, learning, what looking at pictures, learning about her, but like as much as I could possibly soak in about her, uh, I did because I knew it was a huge responsibility to tell that story. Um, and it was important. It really did amaze me that it hadn't been done on the big screen before. And then we had the, the first film, which was uh, starring Cicely Tyson, which is a TV movie, I think. And then we had a really beautiful version with Aisha Hines, who did it um, on Underground. Like an, it was like an episode or two of her her trajectory, but it had never been done for the big screen. And I, I just knew that there was a special moment to be able to tell this woman's story as fully as possible. Um, and it was tough, really tough to do it because there were there's no glitz and glamour at all in, in telling this story and being out in the open air, in the field, right. in the middle of nowhere, at night, in the mud, in the water, in the grass, up scaling up the side of the mountain, all of those things. Um, we did. But I think that they were completely necessary in order to tell the story in the right way. Yeah. How do you feel about the conversations, you know, and I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer to this, but I'm, I'm curious yeah. because I think there aren't that many movies um, recently in the past couple of years like Harriet um, mm -hmm. that talk about a lot of the, you know, emotions, whether it be obviously, you know, Harriet had some really high highs and also some really low lows and specifically mm -hmm. just moments in slavery. And how do you, how did you think about the conversation as far as, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, necessarily glorifying black trauma, but also this is a really important story that needs to be told. And this story hadn't been told on the big screen. 
Yeah, I think I, I totally understand that conversation. But the thing, my my real purpose when it came to telling the story was more about the human being. It really was about Harriet because yes, she did some incredible things, but it, I I believe her story deserves to be told. Yeah, her, the woman who had ninety one years of life in her. Uh, who who did many things in that 91 years, um, that story deserves to be told. And I understand that the, the pain and trauma that comes from the knowledge of the reasons why she had to do those things can sometimes be too much for people to watch, but it, our not telling it means that no one gets to learn. Right. And in the seeing her work and seeing what was sacrificed to get people to freedom, to make sure that we, that women had the vote, because that's also what she was a part of, her being in the war, making sure that people were safe. There, there, a lot of sacrifice went into her life. She had to do a lot in order to keep people safe. And when we erase that work, we don't do her justice um, and we don't remind ourselves about what has gone into making sure that we have certain freedoms now. And it also doesn't allow us to think about the work that's gone before that we still have to do now. Um, I know that there's pain uh, tied to watching some of the harrowing things that she had to go through, but this is also a, before she is an abolitionist and a hero. This is a Black woman who had love and loss and wants and desires and also deserves to be seen um and and since she hadn't been seen for such a long time in the right way I wouldn't have been doing my duty if I didn't um tell the story as fully as I possibly could in my part so I think some of these stories yes can be really tough to watch but I do think they're important absolutely I do think they're important I think sometimes we forget that these people were existing living human beings who also had lives that were um, bigger than bigger than the norm and so deserve to be remembered and celebrated especially when it's about specific individuals who shifted and changed um, the the course of history that deserves to be celebrated I, I think no I absolutely agree and I, I think I mean even when you were just talking about it I don't think that people in making that argument, have ever sat down and thought about Harriet's own personal desires yeah. and dreams yeah. and goals for herself, because obviously there were so many more important things that needed to happen. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel like you, with, you know, playing Harriet, that that really set the stage and, and led you to wanting to take on Aretha as well, another big icon in a different <laughs> direction? <laughs> I mean, no, because I had no idea that Aretha was coming. And before Aretha, I had I had done a little series called The Outsider, which felt really good to do. And it was very different, non-existent character who is you know made up and fictional and all those things. Aretha sort of came out of the blue. I really wasn't expecting it at all. And the reason I did it is just because that it's so weird. If you believe in signs, then this is definitely for you. I, there were so many different signs that were like, this is, this is right. This is right. for you. You should be doing this. Um, I remember when I went to sit down with Susan Laurie Parks, the writer, um, when we were sort of like in talks to maybe do it because it came from, th the message came to me from Clive Davis and 
um, Ron Howard at Imagine that, and Brian Grazer, that they wanted me to consider doing it. Um, they thought I would be right for it after they heard me singing a song of hers on a red carpet at the Tonys. I did not know that that tape had gone anywhere, but that interview. And so that tape had gotten back to them. Then they had come to my team to ask if I would be interested. And I said, well, I'd love to sit and talk to the writer. I sat and talked to Susan Murray Park. And when I sat down in this hotel, I think we were at the, where are we at the Nomad, I think, in New York. Um, the, the, the restaurant was sort of playing, you know, hotel music, sort of like nondescript, no words, no lyrics, no artists, nothing. Sort yeah. of like easy going. music. Yeah, like that. And then at, I sit down and daydreaming comes on. Aretha's daydreaming comes on and it's sort of like nothing, no music, no music. And all of a sudden it goes, uh, that weird sort of like chromatic scale that goes up to and I look at Susan Laurie Parks and I go, did you plan this? <laughs> did you turn that on? <laughs> did you, did you tell them to watch me sit down? And then she was like, no, I don't know why that's saying it's, that is not me. It's not me. And so it's just like one after the other, a sign after the other. And I was just like, okay, this feels like it's right. This feels like it's right. And I just realized that it's another woman who, whose who's humanity we hadn't met yet. We know about Aretha the star. We know about Aretha the musician. We know about Aretha uh, the queen of soul. But we hadn't learned about the human being that made all of those other things possible. And I think that's what I'm interested in doing. I think I'm interested in telling stories of these women who, whose humanity and whose humanness gets kind of erased because of how bright their star shines, which makes us forget that it's because of their humanity and their humanness and who they are that their star shines bright. So meet the human being so you can understand how much work went into becoming the star, becoming yeah. the icon, you know? That's what I was interested in. That's what I wanted to do. And what was it like with this role? Because obviously you're you're stepping into and, you know, playing, you know, a, another icon, but also just an iconic voice. And as a singer, yeah. I mean, having your own voice, but then also, you know, portraying Aretha, walk us yeah. through what that was like. Um, it was like having a masterclass every day. Um, I would sit with my vocal coach because each episode maybe had about four, four songs in it, four or five songs. And so I, I was sort of well rehearsed up until like episode two when the songs changed. So I was getting songs every episode to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and I would sit with my, my vocal coach and we would go through each song with a fine tooth comb and just go through all of like the choices that she would make. Which riff is she doing here? How long is that breath being held? That's more than an eight. It's an irregular length. So we're just sort of like going to wait and be patient until it's time to come in again. And why is she doing that breath there? And how come she's she's pausing here, which is strange. And now she's this is different from the live performance that she did there. This is different from the recorded performance. Which performance are we going to choose? Are we choosing this one? How much of it? So that it became like um, music theory for me, which is actually thrilling because I'm a music geek and I love learning um but that's what I would spend when it wasn't being on set working through scenes and making sure the rhythm of the scene felt right and making sure that 
the, the words felt like they were hers and making sure that I'm working with the hairstylist and um, the makeup artist, Corey and Terrell, who helped to create the looks. And we really try to mine everything for detail is, is essentially what we did. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I have to to say something that I know is going to sound a little obnoxious, but I think we should definitely talk about it because you're one Oscar short of an EGOT. And I know that's a lot, yeah. it's a lot and I don't want to put pressure on you, um, but it's a big deal. Yeah. What does that feel like? I mean, I know it's not something that you probably wake up and think like, oh, I'm one short of this, but yeah. um, what, what, what goes through your head? It's very overwhelming because I didn't expect, I didn't expect it so soon. And so, and so it still is like really weird. I, I move through the day without thinking about it. And then, it, then I'm reminded and it's sort of like, so interesting. It's just, in, you know, because one, I didn't know that it was possible to, to get all those awards with, with a show. Essentially that's what happened. Right. The Emmy, Grammy and Tony came from The Color Purple. Um, or aspects of the color purpose. So the Grammy came from the, the, the album, the Tony came from the show, the Emmy came from a performance that I did on on a morning show that came from the, the 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 show. But that is also the morning I found out about the Tony nomination. Oh, so right. that performance that got me the Emmy is the same day I found out about the Tony. Oh wow. Which is <laughs> insane. All very metaphysical and strange and weird and insane and all of that stuff. So it, it always, it does always throw me And like going through the Oscar process and being nominated was also really, really weird because it's like, this is like strange. But I hope that if stroke, when it happens, I, I live up to that legacy because there are a lot of incredible people who, who have that title. Um, people I look up to is there any specific person that you... Well, Whoopi. Yeah, I was just going to say Whoopi is mine. I mean, <laughs> it's so crazy because I feel like, like in, a, in a way, I'm sort of like following in her footsteps by accident. And, and there are, you know, I couldn't be prouder. And so, you know, I, I, I'm not looking for it. I'm not like r- trying to... But that's not the aim. The aim is to try and tell really good stories. And if that comes of it, then wonderful. And and if that comes of it, I hope that um, it only opens up the doors for me to tell more stories and create more space for other people. That's, that is the goal really and truly. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. we're rooting for you. Very excited. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's talk about this album. Yes, yes, yes. Let's just start with the concept itself. Why now? You know, I know you've been working on music for a while, but just walk yeah. us through why you felt like now was the right time and, and what you're really trying to get across with this music? Why, why now is simply because I was given the chance to do it. You know, getting a deal, being right for a record label uh, takes time and work and it takes convincing sometimes, it takes people to be convinced to, to see your, what your worth is. And, um, and that's you had what to convince somebody? Who did you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, I've met with a good few labels who just couldn't see it. I've heard everything from, we don't know what to do with her voice because she can do a lot with it. So we don't so know you where can, you to can do place too much. her. <laughs> yeah. So be, do, being, being able to do too much was a problem. Um, I've had labels put me in writing 
um, camps just to put me in writing camps to see if I could write because they wanted to know I could write, even though there are definitely artists who don't write at all. Yeah, I've had absolutely. that, but they wanted to know that I could write. Uh, you know, it, it, it it's very peculiar, and, and this particular label just sort of believed that I could do those things. They had seen me sing, they had heard me sing, they knew I could sing, um, and and believed that I could write. And so that's sort of that's sort of what happened. I ended up with a label that believed that I could do the job. Um, and that meant that I had the space to create. And I had written a, a few songs before the album, before I started working specifically on the album. And those songs, some of those songs have made it onto this album. Songs I had written like seven years ago have made it onto this album. Um, and so the, the reason now is because I was given a chance. And, and the idea behind this particular album is just to sort of introduce people to who I am as a person um, outside of another character, outside of storytelling on, on screen and that people get to know me a little better, I guess, and hear some of the stories that I've experienced and some of the stories that they may also be able to connect with. Um, and, and I think that this album really is about trying to connect people and trying to make people understand that we are all going through something, mm-hmm. that we are all connected by the things that we go through. And, and a lot of those things are similar. Yeah. Did you have any influences when thinking about what you wanted your album, you know, to look like or sound like? Um, I, f- I feel like you like a lot of old school music. Did you did you yeah. feel like you had a lot of influences there? I think I did. I wasn't necessarily thinking of an influence to to follow, but I, I, I have a really eclectic taste in music. And I think it's found its way into the album in that none of the songs are really exactly the same style um and the connecting the connective tissue is my voice um but that's just because that's how that's how I've listened to music my entire life like so many different artists have made it into the smorgasbord of uh musicians that I love listening to whether it be Aretha or Annie Lennox or Brandy or Mary J or or Gladys Knight and the Pips or Mike and the Mechanics or Aerosmith, there's always something. Um, there's loads of different styles on that album that sort of lent themselves to the storytelling that I wanted to to be a part of with each subject matter. Yeah. Um, I have no idea how you have the time, but you also released an amazing children's book. We talked yeah. about this briefly before. Um, <laughs> yeah. Remember to Dream, Iber. So can you tell us about the book and, and what made you want to also, you know, make a children's book in the midst of yeah. all of these amazing things you're working on? <laughs> Remember to Dream, Iber was sort of like an accident because I really was resistant. <laughs> I didn't want to write a kid's book <laughs> when I when it was first offered to me. I was like, I was asked, do you want to write a kid's book? And I said, I waited for a little bit, thought about it. And I said, no, because I just figured if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it myself. I wanted to do it properly. I wanted an idea to be fully formed. And I just was like, it wasn't coming. So I just thought I'm going to leave it alone until it feels like it's right. And then one day, I think it was in New York, just like getting ready for a meeting that day. I was in the shower and this idea sort of like falls into my head. It sort of became really, really clear. And I'm sure that the idea was already there. It just sort of crystallized. Right. Um, and it, it it was sort of like the notion that people can dream, very big dreams, but we're often afraid to dream of the detail within it. 
And I think I've spent my my life doing that thing where I dream about something and I think about all the things that can make it whole. I, I think about the the color of something, or if I um if I want to do a film, I speak I think about the kind of character that I want to play. I kind of I think about the people I want to work with or all of those little details, you know, and, and that for me makes it more real. And so I wanted to write a, a story about that, that taught kids and anyone really to dream fully, dream with all the detail, dream with all the color in it so that you can see it as, as bright as day. And, and that, that way there's a real like focus. You can see it. If you can see it truly, then you can believe it and you can probably make it happen. And that's what this book is about. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I I can't believe that it's like done and ready and it's beautiful. And we have an amazing like illustrator who like took the time and came on really late and just like has done an amazing job. She's wonderful. So I'm excited. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a sermon. I would listen to you talk about that for another <laughs> hour. And I'm going to think about how I need to dream in more detail because that is yeah. so true and so beautiful as well. <laughs> um, those are all of my questions, though. Do you have anything right. else we should talk about? I mean, no, I think I, I feel like we covered it all, really. I just am really excited to be. I'm excited to be, and I haven't said this, I'm really excited to be alive right now. I'm excited to be be in a position where I can create and tell stories and do work that I've always dreamed about doing and and maybe even create work for other people. That really is like the next frontier being able to, I think this next year is going to be about doing things that are from me and that, that have me in the driver's seat where I can help to, to, to make other people's dreams come true. So yeah, that's, that's the next thing I think. That's always a dream for the black girls. We have to be a ladder and, and pick each other yeah. up and help. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lindsay. You're um, amazing. You're amazing. In Her Shoes is edited and produced by Camila Salazar. Our lead producer is Jasmine Aguilera and Nishat Kerwat is our executive producer. The Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today to support their work at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, and thank you for listening.